Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Keeping You Active, a brand new show about active lifestyles brought to you by Florida Orthopedic Institute. Uh, I'm your host, Johnny Torres, and with me for all of the subsequent episodes is going to be my co-host, physician liaison Kim Mott. How are you doing, Kim? I'm great. How are you? Doing awesome. And today we're going to be talking about running. And uh, of course, this is all leading up to the Gasparilla Distance Classic happening here in the Tampa Bay area. And so joining us for our very first episode is Dr. Adam Morse. How are you, doctor? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to be talking about not only uh, ways that people can train and work their way up to preparing for an event like the Gasparilla Distance Classic, but also physically some of the things that happen in the process injuries, way to avoid injuries. Uh, so for those of you watching, if you're not familiar with the Gasparilla Distance Classic, we are going to actually be at the Gasparilla Health and Fitness Expo that's going to be here at the end of February, February 24th and 25th, will be the Gasparilla Health and Fitness Expo. Uh, it'll be from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Friday and 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday in the Tampa Convention Center. It's free open to the public, so there's no excuse for you not to come on out and say hi to us. Uh, you're going to be able to find the latest in running shoes and apparel, the latest in medical breakthroughs, because we're going to be there hanging out and talking to people, taking questions. Uh, also, uh, several of the Bay Area's leading health and fitness professionals, Florida Orthopedic, is going to be on hand, and uh, we're going to help uh, teach you how to make choices that are not only best for your health, but are going to lead you to a more healthy and active lifestyle. Uh, when we're talking about preparing for an event uh, like the Gasparilla Distance Classic, any marathon, I mean, luckily we have marathon weather year-round, and so we do get uh, a lot of them both here in Tampa Bay, over in Orlando, and South Florida. Um, how would you recommend someone start? We, I, I see friends every year when they uh, when these marathons come around and they say, you know what, this year I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, someone hasn't been working out, hasn't been very active, but they want to get started. What, what would you recommend? I mean, the certain first thing, the most important thing you want to do is establish a training plan. So what we find is that people come out and say, hey, look, you know, I just saw this thing on the news and next week's the Diaspora Distance Classic and I haven't done any running. I'm going to start training and see if I can run it. That's probably the setting yourself up for failure more than anything else. Okay. So what we really want to see them doing is coming up with a solid plan and taking into account all the proper running training conditioning rules to be successful. If they haven't done any significant exercise or activity, um, it's probably not a bad idea to get in to see your family physician and make sure that you're healthy and it's going to be safe for you to participate in exercise. If you're starting off um, and you want to kind of really build up your training program, then knowing how long do I need to prepare for what level of activity. Am I doing a 5K? Am I doing a 10K? Am I doing a half marathon? These are really important things to understand. So knowing where your starting point is and knowing what your goals are and then trying to find a plan that's going to get you there is what you're really going to want to focus on. But certainly you, I, w I would say, or it seems that way, that the first thing you absolutely want to do is visit your doctor. Get a baseline, right, for where you are physically. If you aren't somebody who is working out regularly already, and if you're not somebody who has seen your doctor within the last year and discussed exercise routine with him, then yes, I would definitely start there. And what's a reasonable goal? Let's say, uh, again, maybe somewhere in, let's say, mid-20s to mid-40s. Uh, obviously, that's kind of a wide age range. But what would you say is a reasonable goal for someone that's just starting from scratch to, to run? 
I mean, I, I think that shoot for the moon and aim for a marathon. You just okay. need to understand the length of time that it's going to take to get there. You don't want to say, hey, look, I've got three weeks to train and I'm going to go from couch to marathon. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're probably your number one rule in running is what we call the 10% rule. So if you start off a running program and you're walk jogging a mile three days a week, then every week you can add 10% to that. So if your total mileage for that week was then three miles and you say, I've gotten to the point where I'm running three miles a week, then the next week you can only run 3.3 total miles. Gotcha. And then the next week you can only run 3.6. So you're going to progress fairly slowly. You're going to take a long time to get to that marathon. If you're starting off and say, hey, I run 10 miles three days a week, so I'm averaging about 30 miles a week, then you have the benefit of you get to add three miles each week. So from 10 miles a day, three days a week, the next week is 11 miles, the next week is 12 miles each of those three days. So when you have no base to start from, your progression seems very slow. When you have a lot of base, your progression is going to seem a lot quicker. Now, when talking about setting goals... Uh, do you feel that there's a difference maybe between setting a distance goal or setting a time goal? Uh, because, again, for some people, especially in a marathon type of setting, you have two goals. You know, do I want to be the fastest one to the finish line or do I want to, you know, just make it to the finish line? I, I Is there a difference really between either one of those as goals? Um, yes, I think there's a fairly significant difference. Um, running for Time for distance um, is is not as crucial to be as flexible. You can keep your pace very short. You're not over lengthening your muscles. You're not over stretching the muscles. So that's going to help you out a lot. Whereas if your goal is to do more speed work, then you want to focus a little bit more on your flexibility because you're going to be elongating to lengthen your stride. And you're going to also lengthen your cadence. And you're also going to have to train your heart rate to maintain a higher pace for that distance. So those are two fairly different things. And if you're training, again, back to that 10% rule, if yeah. you're training um, for a race, you don't want to increase your speed and increase your distance all in the same week at a maximum of 10% because if your speed's going up and your running's going up, you're going to overtax your system and, and risk injury. Well, and those two don't necessarily line up. And so, Correct. You, you know, it's got to be one or the other, really. But sometimes, say, if I'm if I my goal is to run a marathon and I'm running 10 miles a week or 10 miles three days a week um, right now and I want to increase um, over time and I'm averaging a 10 minute mile pace, but I really want to do a full marathon at an eight minute mile pace, then this week I might increase my distance and then next week I'll work on speed and then the following week I'll work on distance and the following week I'll work on speed. So it's not all at one time. Excellent. And And so... Uh, again, in, in starting to get comfortable and starting to find kind of what works for you, what doesn't, uh, do you feel that there is, is it completely personal preference, whether let's say someone trains in the morning or trains in the evening, uh, time of day, are those, uh, are those factors purely personal or do you, are there certain ones that you might suggest uh, that might be better for, for training? Everybody's circadian rhythms give them a peak part of the day to perform in. So sometimes if you're a person who likes to work out first thing in the morning, then this would be the best time for you. If you like to work out um, 
later in the day, in the afternoon or in the evening after work to kind of blow off steam from a hard day's work, then sometimes that's fine too. But other things to take into consideration are the time of year and the weather patterns. So say this weekend, I'm a morning person. I like to go out and bike a lot. We went out and rode 60 miles on Sunday morning. Wow. the problem with that is when we leave at 7 o'clock Sunday morning, the weather was in the low 40s. Had I waited three hours, the weather was beautiful in mid-70s. <laughs> so if, it, if I wanted – Right, exactly. But, if I, but I, during the summer, then I definitely want to get out and ride as early in the morning as possible sure. because it gets so hot and so humid in the afternoon in July, August, and September that I risk dehydration and having a harder time maintaining my fluid levels and balance and stuff like that. And how important is that you mentioned? I mean, I think that's a perfect kind of segue into my next question, which was uh, temperature awareness, uh, you know, and then, of course, that factors into dehydration. But uh, how what are the factors you should look for when training in terms of your own kind of personal body temperature? Well, a lot of it depends on where you live. But having the fact that we're in Florida, um, it's a, it's very critical, especially over the warmer months in the summer. Um, it heats up so much and the humidity is so high that you tend to sweat excessively and you lose a lot of fluid fast. So people can lose in the course of a three-hour bike ride um, you can, or, or a three-hour run, a longer-distance training run, you can lose five pounds of water. That's a wow. lot of water. That's uh, over a half a gallon of water that you're going to lose in a, in a run. And you're certainly not going to be ingesting that amount of water in, in that run. Again, if, if you're trying to run and maintain steady pace and distance, you don't want to run with a giant milk jug in your hand and having to drink water every few seconds. So you're going to have to work around it. The cyclist, it's a little bit easier to train because you can have water bottles and every hour or two you can stop and refill them. Whereas a runner is going to use smaller bottles and kind of have a belt on if they're going to train in the summer okay. or they're going to start training much earlier in the day before the heat or late, late in the evening. But in the late summer, it's hot up until 10, 11 o'clock at night. All right. Well, we're talking running as we lead up to the Gasparilla Distance Classic here in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, with me today, Dr. Adam Morse, physician liaison Kim Mott. We're going to take a quick break. It's the Keeping You Active show brought to you by Florida Orthopedic Institute. We'll be right back. Florida Orthopedic Institute has the best solutions for virtually every bone, joint, ligament, and muscle in your body. Founded in 1989, we're one of Florida's largest orthopedic groups. And today, we're at the cutting edge of orthopedic research, education, and techniques. Our highly skilled board-certified physicians and surgeons have advanced subspecialty training, expertise that provides a level of care unattainable anywhere else. Florida Orthopedic has 10 locations across Tampa Bay, so there's one that's right in your neighborhood including a location with orthopedic urgent care. No one's better at keeping you active because nobody does orthopedics like we do. To find out how we're delivering world-class orthopedic care right here in Tampa Bay, go to FloridaOrtho.com or call 1-800-FL-ORTHO. That's FloridaOrtho.com, 1-800-FL-ORTHO. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Keeping you active with Florida Orthopedic Institute, a uh, brand new show we're br- bringing to you live via Facebook. And of course, you can uh, catch future episodes and an archive at our YouTube channel as well. Uh, with me on our first episode is physician liaison Kim Mott. Hey, Hello. Kim. 
and uh, Dr. Adam Morse. We're talking running and how to train and how to work your way up to running a marathon as we get closer here at the end of February to the Gasparilla Distance Classic. Yeah, so previously Dr. Morse was speaking on um, marathons. I can say I have never run a marathon. I do exercise four times a week. I run about 26 minutes on a treadmill. You're telling me that I can run a marathon? I, I think that if you had the proper motivation, that would be very easy for you to do. And with the amount of running you're already doing, I think you're going to be an easy jump from there. Really? So you're already, if you're running 26 um, minutes, if you're running about a nine-minute mile pace, that puts you at about a 5K. So you could actually start running 5Ks now, and if you decide, hey, I really enjoy this, it would only be about six to eight weeks, and you could probably build up to where you're running a 10K. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, you just add, again, you're already running um, 5K a week, which is 15 or 5K a day, four days a week. That's 20 kilometers a week. So if you can add 10% of that, you yeah. can add on two kilometers or roughly um, just over a mile each week to your training. So if you're adding a mile each week and you do a 30-minute, 30-minute, and then you know 38 minutes on your third day a week and then each week you add to where you're adding one more mile to that last mm -hmm. week and and you can continue to do that until your long run um gets even with your your other two runs or your other three runs during the week so okay. one of the one of the mistakes that i see people making on a regular basis is they run two miles Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then their long run on Saturday, they run two miles, and then they run four miles, and then they run six miles, and then they run eight miles, and they're building up their... For their, the training. For the training. Okay. They're building up their long run, but their body says, well, I'm used to running two miles three mm -hmm. days a week, and then on that long day, all of a sudden, they get to, to more than four times their regular training run, and okay. they start having knee pain and shin pain and oh. breakdown. Body, so, the body starts to freak out at that point. Yeah, the body says, look, you can, you can double your regular run on your long run, but you can't quadruple and quintuple it. So what you right. need to then do is if you, when you start picking up to where, say, you're running um, three miles, three miles, three miles, and on your long run, you're going to run four miles, and then three miles, three miles, three miles, and on your long run, five, and then three miles, three miles, three miles, on your long run, you run six. So now you've gotten to this point. Before you decide to run seven and eight your next two weeks, you need to then increase um, your shorter runs to four miles, four miles, four okay. miles, and then move up to seven and eight and yeah. do it that way. And that okay. way you're actually doubling, no more than doubling your short run for your long run. But once you get to 10 miles, then you're already ready for your 10K. Wow. So I'm sorry, 10K is only six miles. Sorry. So, so when you've already hit that six miles, which is three or four weeks into it, yeah. then you're already ready for a 10K. And then you go to your half marathon to be your next goal. And then when you get to the point where you say, hey, I'm comfortably progressing and I'm not overdoing it, I'm not getting hot spots, you can continue to slowly progress until you're running a marathon, usually about four to six months from where you're starting. Wow, I think I might be motivated now. <laughs> I might try it. <laughs> so, Kim, for you, uh, is it that is it just because you're you're working out on a treadmill and 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 so is it that barrier that you of going from being indoors to outdoors that made yeah. kind of give you that impression that maybe you couldn't run uh, in yeah, a yeah I would actually say that is a challenge. So maybe you can speak upon that. I'm so used to running indoors and having that steady pace. I'm not used yeah. to controlling my speed. I let the treadmill control my speed so I'm a little nervous to run outside that I may have 
I might not run at the same pace and therefore get tired faster and not be able to run as much as I do indoors. Well, the nice thing about running on the treadmill is if you ever get overly tired or you get um, your heart rate starts to kick up, you can get off and just call it a day. Right. Whereas if you get a mile and a half into your three-mile run and you're ready to turn around and realize you're tired, it's a long walk home. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the downsides. But what you'll find is that most runners or most people that finally get used to running on a regular basis, if they sit on a treadmill for two hours, they want to blow their brains out. It's just (laughs) really rough. It's very boring. Whereas if you're running outside and you're and you're and you're enjoying the fresh air and you're seeing the neighbors as you get a wave to yeah. and and you see the animals along the path and stuff <laughs> like that, there might be a lot of things to keep your mind occupied. So you're and not then, thinking about the run. Exactly. And then if you wear something like a Fitbit or something that, or a heart rate monitor that you can easily look at and notice that your heart rate is in your target. Um, heart rate zone, then that'll kind of help keep and make sure that you're just maintaining a good heart rate so it doesn't really matter how fast you're running. That'll just kind of come with time. Now, oh, wow. interesting. How, now, to transition, let's say, from running uh, from a treadmill to going outdoors, uh, because like she said, you know, you've got the treadmill who's kind of pushing you along, essentially, you know, because it's it's moving underneath you in terms of pace, in terms of uh, what are, are those factors major to transition from maybe doing that run indoors to going outdoors or or is it fairly easy to adjust from to make that transition? Um, normally, when you're running on a treadmill, you've set a pace that you are comfortable with. So if you put your treadmill on a four-minute mile pace and you're falling off the back, you realize this is not for me. So you slow it down or you'll slowly increase your pace while you're on the treadmill. You'll say, okay, I'm at a a, a 5.0 pace or a 5.5 or a 6 pace, and this is where I feel comfortable. You'll do the same thing naturally when you start running outside. So if you notice, hey, I'm jogging along and I don't feel like I'm getting tired, then I'll just start jogging a little faster. If you feel like you're running outside and you're you need to stop because you're getting what we call stitches or a side cramp, then you're going to slow down and back off a little bit. And that natural pace is just going to progress based on your activity level and based on your um, conditioning over time that's going to continue to improve. But you are exerting yourself a little bit more because you're physically having to push the ground underneath you rather than the ground kind of moving underneath you, right? Yes. Yeah, to some extent you actually will pull with your heels. So you're using slightly different muscles, but they're very similar. So it won't be as much as you think excellent and then you know we're talking about you know training plans or how to you know actually execute on that training plan but again for someone just getting started uh, let's say they they're pretty active but nonetheless they want to get into a training regimen for a marathon or for you know something like the gasparilla distance classic uh what's a good schedule or what's a is is it pretty much apply across the board to any type of physical activity what's a good amount of uh, days or hours that one should work out during the week? I would say a minimum, if you want to gain strides, is going to be three days a week. Okay. If you're running two days a week, sometimes you can maintain mm-hmm. your conditioning, but it's really hard to improve on your conditioning. A minimum of three days a week you'll start to see, and a maximum, I would say, is six workouts or six days a week of running. You need one day for your body to have a chance to recover, unwind, get your carbs back up, get your fluid levels back to neutral where you're not pushing your body and letting it recover. That way you don't end up overtraining. Excellent. And 
again, to avoid injury, right? You know, of course, you know, if you do get injured, we'd love to see you here at Florida Orthopedic, you know, but those are typically unfortunate circumstances because it does take people out of their everyday lifestyle. Uh, some of the things that they can do, I mean, for instance, uh, uh, should they start off maybe wearing some an ankle brace or a knee brace or anything like that if they feel that they may be predisposed to those type of issues once they start on a, on a training plan? No, I would definitely say in, unless you have an injury that you're rehabbing, stay away from all braces. Okay. Um, I would work more on, on stretching and more on balance strength training. So doing yoga type exercises where you, you're focusing on holding a certain position that works the muscles, doing one-legged squats, doing um, squats on a BOSU ball, which is a, a flat side with like a half rounded ball or on a wobble board to kind of help stabilize the ankles and, and kind of work on your balance is gonna be a much better way to strengthen all the small muscles that are more involved in the balance of running than in the actual strength of running. And, and once you've got those muscles built up, then the braces won't be as necessary. All right. And then again, you know, in terms of rest, because, you know, I think the one thing that most people don't realize is that rest is equally important to the amount of uh, time or days that you're exercising. Correct. What you're going to find is that if you're running um, three days a week, then the days that you're not running, your body is is the muscles are repairing and healing to get you ready for the next day. So when you start running six days a week, if you're not doing something fairly comfortable for your body, your body's going to start to break down and not have enough time from one, in a 24-hour period from one day to the next to recover. And then you're going to start noticing that you're going to fatigue faster, you're going to cramp earlier, and you're going to be at an increased risk of a muscle pull or a stress reaction on the bone or something that's going to cause you to have pain, in which case you're going to need to shut down for a while to allow it to heal and repair. If you try to push through these type of injuries and insults, what ends up happening is they just progress to get worse and worse and worse to where the time you take off turns into weeks rather than days to allow your body to recover. Well, and that's actually something we're going to touch on in the next segment, which is pain and how to manage that pain and recover from it. Uh, and so before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. You're watching the Keeping You Active show brought to you by Florida Orthopedic Institute. With us today, Dr. Adam Morse, physician liaison Kim Mott. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Florida Orthopedic Institute has the best solutions for virtually every bone, joint, ligament, and muscle in your body. Founded in 1989, we're one of Florida's largest orthopedic groups. And today, we're at the cutting edge of orthopedic research, education, and techniques. Our highly skilled, board-certified physicians and surgeons have advanced subspecialty training, expertise that provides a level of care unattainable anywhere else. Florida Orthopedic has 10 locations across Tampa Bay, so there's one that's right in your neighborhood, including a location with orthopedic urgent care. No one's better at keeping you active because nobody does orthopedics like we do. To find out how we're delivering world-class orthopedic care right here in Tampa Bay, go to FloridaOrtho.com or call 1-800-FL-ORTHO. That's FloridaOrtho.com. 1-800-FL-ORTHO. 
Hey, thank you so much for watching. It's Keeping You Active Shell, brought to you by Florida Orthopedic Institute. Uh, we are talking running. We are talking the Gasparilla Distance Classic, which is coming up uh, here at the end of February, and uh, how to prepare, how to train, how does one even get into marathon running. And uh, with me today, again, is Kim Mott, physician liaison here at Florida Orthopedic Institute, and Dr. Adam Morse. Welcome back. So thank you so much. Again, we're getting some incredible information here. Uh, of course, there's lots of people who, especially being that this marathon in particular happens right towards the beginning of the year, people have the, the resolutions going on. They mm -hmm. have, you know, uh, some f fitness goals that they want to reach, and they see kind of this as maybe uh, that first notch on the belt the, to kick off the year uh, to get themselves active and, and healthy in 2017. And they're also trying to lose the holiday weight. <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. That's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Uh, we've been talking about running and training for that run. Um, and, of course, for some people who are maybe already active, transitioning from indoors to outdoors. Uh, but you were touching on it just a little bit there at the last segment as far as pain and injury. Uh, you're running, all of a sudden, like you said, uh, maybe it's uh, the knee or maybe it's a little bit of an ankle thing, but you start feeling that something's not quite right. Uh, tell us a little bit about that communication that happens between you and your body when, when you're working out. So every time you're exercising, you're trying to break down muscle so that it'll build up stronger. You're trying to exert and strain the muscle to the point where it says we don't have enough muscle here we need to lay down more muscle or more bone to sturdy the bone sturdy the muscle and that's what you're going to get your strength and improvement in your function from so when your body gets broken down it's going to build back stronger if as your body breaks down you don't give it a chance to build back up then it's going to start to get sore, it's going to start to get irritated. So the bones you know, are going to start to absorb some of the calcium and they're going to add more. But if you let your body absorb some of the calcium and some of the mineral that forms the bone and then you run on it again even harder before it has a chance to lay down new mineral, then what happens is the bone starts to get more and more stressed and it'll actually get um, swelling in the bone or cracking in the bone called a stress reaction or a stress fracture which is just an it's it's not a real crack broken in like two pieces like you would see a regular broken bone sure. it's just the body responding by starting to swell and cause severe pain and the tendons as the muscles start to fatigue the muscles start to tighten up just like after any exercise your muscles typically tighten up well if the muscle tightens up and you haven't really loosened them up and warmed them up and stretched them out really good before your next run then that tight muscle is causing an undue stress on the the tendons that connect the muscle to the bone and can cause snapping or rubbing on the nearby tissue and cause swelling and pain. So getting back into making sure that we back off on our exercise, let our body recover, take a recovery day or two, depending on what your body needs, mm -hmm. do a lot of stretching during that time period, then that'll usually allow you to not end up with problems. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because you, uh, in, we did a, series of videos so hopefully for those of you watching us on Facebook we have a series of running videos out there one of the things that I learned from those was that uh, doing a warm-up jog too is is helpful you know it's a, and so obviously it's not a full exertion of, of what you would do in in a marathon or in a distance run uh, but even a light jog you know is a good way to in addition to stretching uh, you know and some of the other techniques uh, you would you recommend doing kind of a light jog to get those muscles warmed up 
Absolutely. Static stretching on cold muscles will only get you so far. Um, So it's nice to get out and just kind of before you go out and start your jog, just take about two or three minutes to stretch your calves, stretch your hamstrings, um, stretch your quads, and then stretch your hip flexors and your um, hip extensors. And then once you've done that for about 30 seconds each in about two minutes, then go for a jog and just warm up your muscles until you break a light sweat. As soon as you do that, then it's time to get a little bit better stretch and usually stopping just for a few minutes and getting three to four more minutes worth of stretch and really loosen them up. Then as you start running and you start lengthening your stride, especially if you're going to work on speed that day, once the muscles are really warmed up, you're going to find that you're going to be much less likely to pull something or injure it from overstretching. And and how much, I've always been curious about this, how much is external temperature, right? Just, you know, the, uh, you were saying when you biked earlier, it was uh, 40 degrees in the morning and then it was, you know, 70 to 80 degrees in the afternoon. Uh, how much of a factor does that play in terms of warming up and getting ready uh, to, to do a run or to do any physical activity? That's a great question because when you're cold in the morning, your muscles are going to be much tighter. So if I start off a run or a bike at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning in July, my stretch and warm-up time is going to be about half of what it is if I try to wow. do that in January to February because my muscles are so tight and so cold that it takes them longer to warm up. So sometimes starting off a little slower on your jog and really taking that, you know, your jog period when you start your jog at your 10 to 12 minute mile pace, which is much slower than you want to end up doing, is going to end up then turning into a 10 or 15 minute warm up rather than a three to five minute warm up in the summer. Wow, see, yeah, and then I, I didn't even, you no. know, I always thought it was like maybe just like a solely internal thing, but that's also why, you know, and we're going to talk about this actually in our next episode, which is uh, how to dress, you know, for doing a run or doing you know, a bike and that sort of thing and how important those factors are. Uh, but uh, let's say I am running, right? And all of a sudden, and this is actually a, a very personal issue, you know, which is that uh, when I get active and I start running again or I start doing, you know, my ankle starts acting up. You know, I used to do gymnastics in high school and and so my my ankle starts kind of bothering me a little bit. At that point, uh, especially when it's mid-activity and you decide to, all right, I think I'm done for the day, how much time would you say is reasonable to give it uh, before it should be better and, and, and you should be able to get uh, become active again? Ideally, you would like to see the pain resolved within 24 hours. So okay. if you're planning on going out and saying, hey, I'm training six days a week, and by the next morning you're still sore and limited, then you should probably take that day off and try to go on an every other day training program until your body gets more adapted and used to it. In addition, sometimes taking an Advil or a leave um, or an anti-inflammatory prescription strength um, after a run, if you start noticing pain, will help it recover faster. But it should be something that's going to then wear off long before so you can make sure that it's resolved. And sometimes on a joint, um, you might want to add ice for about 20 minutes just to let everything kind of settle down, help you recover a little bit faster. Okay. Usually right after your workout, you'll ice it for about 15, 20 minutes. You'll see athletes doing that on a regular basis in college and in the pros. Right. And then... Um, If it's a muscle and you feel like, boy, my calf's kind of sore, my quad's kind of sore, you're better off. um, If you're going to ice it, um, you'd ice it for about 20 or 30 minutes. But if it's still sore the next day, you might switch to heat and kind of help the muscles really warm up and loosen them up so that you can stretch and work it out a little bit before you go back to your running. 
Can we talk about the um, Advil or Aleve? If I wanted to take that, I also have hip pain. I tend to have major hip pain after I do a hard workout, but it will feel better after a day. How much Advil or Aleve should I take or how much can I take? Again, I would follow the guidelines on the bottle or mm -hmm. talk to your physician. Mm -hmm. um, a rule of thumb is that you can take between three and four Advil, which is 600 to 800 milligrams, okay. but it depends on your height, your weight, and your age. Okay. So I would hate to tell you something that was wrong and find out that you're taking too much for your age and your weight. So it's not a rule for everyone. Each person is going to be individual, but okay. usually if you stick within the guidelines on the bottle, you should be safe. Now, now, you mentioned here, uh, you know, again, you, you already said this, which was joint pain. You ice it first about 72 hours, right? Correct. Right, would you say is a good recommendation for joint pain? Uh, muscle pain, you're saying you're to ice uh, uh, for the first 24 to 48 hours and then kind of work in uh, some stretching and some heat. You, you also hear all kinds of other things, you know, oh, drink chocolate milk or, you know, <laughs> or you, you kind of hear all these other remedies out there. Uh, do some of those work? Is there anything else that someone can do that, you know, because especially, again, you know, here at the early part of the year, people are getting back into either a training regimen or they're just wanting to be active because they haven't been active before and they're not used to being sore. Um, let's first real quickly touch on the difference between soreness and pain and, and maybe how if you are just sore, what are some things you can do to alleviate that? Again, sometimes soreness and pain, if, if, if it goes away after a few hours and it's sore and it's something that you're used to because it's happened for years and years when you exercise and you feel like, boy, my muscles feel really tight and sore, that's normal. If it's something that, hey, this isn't used what I'm used to, this isn't the same level of pain that I'm used to, this is significantly worse, that's when we start worrying about calling it pain and we get concerned. Okay. So that being said... Um, one of the other um, things that you want to focus on is making sure that you're staying hydrated. And if you are somebody who likes to drink a lot of water while you're running and it's a hot summer day and you're starting to notice some cramps or some tightness, you want to make sure that you're adding salts to your um, training, oh, either okay. in the form of you know a performance-enhancing Gatorade, Powerade kind of a mixture, mm -hmm. or just a salt tablet, especially if you're doing longer training and during the summer months when it's much hotter. Sometimes two salt tablets will keep you from having to drink all the sugar, but you can continue then to hydrate with just regular water, and you'll notice less cramping and less soreness, and that seems to be the most effective. Excellent. Well, we've been talking about running and uh, training for a run like the Gasparilla Distance Classic, which we will be at here at yeah, the end of February. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We're going to be hopefully doing also some shows live from the Expo there. And again, if you are going to be joining us out at the Expo, it's going to be February 24th and 25th at the Tampa Convention Center. And I'm looking for my notes here on it. It's going to be... Uh, from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, on Friday, February 24th, uh, from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's the day of the actual run. Uh, that'll be on Saturday. Free and open to the public, so definitely come by, say hi, check it out. Uh, you're going to have the latest in running shoes and apparel. There's going to be also a lot of great information on the latest medical breakthroughs. We're also going to have information to help you take charge of your health. Uh, if you're not currently active, if you're not taking care of yourself, we'll, we'll get you started on the right foot. And, of course, Florida Orthopedics is going to be there. So that means 
the Bay Area's leading health and fitness professional is going to be on hand in addition to us there uh, having a booth. We'll have some giveaways. We're going to be having a lot of fun there. Come by. Learn how you can make choices that are not only best for your health, but they're also going to lead to a more healthy and fit lifestyle. It's been the first episode of uh, Keeping You Active, you know, the new show by Florida Orthopedic Institute. Thank you again, Dr. Adam Morse. Thank you again, both of you, for all your help. Yeah, and thank you again, Physician Liaison Kim Absolutely. All right. And uh, again, keep tabs on all the videos we're going to be doing. You can find a lot more at our website, FloridaOrtho.com. That's FloridaOrtho.com. On Facebook, look us up, Florida Orthopedic Institute, and on YouTube as well, Florida Orthopedic Institute. It's been the Keeping You Active show. Thank you so much for watching. See you next time.